Some folks like to sigh, some folks do, some folks do. Some folks long to die, but that's not me nor you. Long live the merry, merry heart that last my night and day. Like the queen of mirth, no matter what some folks say. Some folks like to smile, some folks do, some folks do. Others laugh through guile, but that's not me nor you. Long live the merry, merry heart that last my night and day. Like the queen of mirth, no matter what some folks say. Long live the merry, merry heart that last my night and day. Welcome, welcome to the Ape Academy podcast on this chilly, freezing cold football Sunday evening. I am your host, Chase H. So happy you could join us for another epic, epic, huge episode of the Act Protect Engage podcast. This song you're listening to right now is being performed by a blackface minstrel show named Christie's Minstrels. Blackface was one of the most popular forms of entertainment in the mid-19th century. And now, on the eve of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, what I want to do is trace the roots of segregation way, way back. Way back to where it began with Jim Crow. Who was Jim Crow? How did Jim Crow come to represent an entire oppressive system that tried to re-enslave, tried to regulate black Americans to second-class citizen status. We will discuss this topic. We will explore it. We'll figure out who is Jim Crow today, tonight on the Ape Academy podcast. Welcome back. Happy to be here. Hope you learned something today because I know I did. Ape. So, hello guys, hello guys, welcome, quick shout out to all my listeners, both domestically and internationally, I love you guys so much, thank you, thank you. If you have a moment, few seconds, please turn on your post notifications so that you know when one of our new podcasts has come out. Also, if you have a few minutes, writing a review, give us five stars, that would be great. Or just click the subscribe or follow button so you can get updates on the podcast. Okay, guys? We really appreciate it. What we really want to do is we want to make sure that our voice is spread out to as many people as we can get to. So reviews help and subscriptions help. We want to break into that top 100 in the education category. And we're counting on you guys to help us do that. Thank you so much. Okay. Who was Jim Crow? The name Jim Crow is often used to describe segregation laws and customs, which arose after Reconstruction ended in 1877, and it continued into the mid-1960s. That's a long time. So let's go over Reconstruction real quick. The Civil War ended in 1865. All right. Reconstruction ended in 1877. What was Reconstruction? Reconstruction was exactly that. The North occupied the South. The South had to be rebuilt literally from scratch. The entire entire Southern society was pretty much ripped apart by the war. The South lost multiple generations of young men in this war. All right. Their base, their agricultural base was destroyed. So 
the South had to be rebuilt. Also, there was a population of millions of recently freed slaves that had to be protected from retribution, okay? They had to be protected. Their rights had to be insured. There was no way that the Union, that the North, that the Yankees were going to allow their victory to go to waste by simply looking the other way as southern state governments re-enslaved the black population. That wasn't going to happen. So they made sure that they kept forces in the South, right, for law and order, and to make sure that black folks were not put back in chains. That was crucial. Jim Crow has been associated with the black codes. These black codes were racist laws that targeted blacks specifically, and they were designed to strip rights that were granted to African Americans through the 13th, 14th, and the 15th Amendments. Now, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go over each amendment in detail, right? I'm going to read it verbatim from the actual text of the Constitution, and we're going to talk about them real quick. The 13th Amendment, quote, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And this was passed through Congress on January 31st, 1865, and it was ratified, meaning it was stamped into law on December 6th, 1865. The 14th Amendment. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subjected to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor de deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of laws. June 13, 1866, it was passed through Congress, finally ratified into law on July 9, 1868. The last one, the 15th Amendment, quote, The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Passed through Congress February 26, 1869. It took a little while to ratify this one. Ratified on February 3rd. 1870 let's go over these one by one okay so the 13th amendment you cannot simply re-enslave black people that's what it was saying basically unless ah, see there's a caveat unless convicted of a crime did you guys did you guys catch that that insert and there's a you know if you guys want to see a really great documentary uh look up the 13th amendment on netflix all right they really talk about how that one sentence in that amendment means 
a lot. So I'm not going to go on a rant about that. Just check it out. All right. So the South can't just re-enslave the black population. That's what the 13th Amendment says. The 14th Amendment says that the state cannot simply kill them, cannot simply seize their property, and cannot harass them, right, and pretty much put them back in the chains. So it's similar to the 13th Amendment. The 14th Amendment means that the states can't deprive them of life, liberty, or property. You can't just kill them off. You can't throw them back in the chain, and you can't take their stuff. All right? It's sad that they had to do that. But they had to make sure that was written in stone, in law, in black and white, so that no southern state can be like, well, actually, it doesn't say, I mean, did you really emancipate them? I mean, we were at war. No, okay. The 14th Amendment is what it is. Finally, the 15th Amendment. Everyone needs to be able to vote. It doesn't matter if you were a slave previously or not. Now, obviously, when we talk about black codes, we're going to talk about black codes tomorrow and reconstruction. When we talk about black codes... The state governments, they found loopholes in the law and they found different ways, different tricks that they could use to deny certain populations the right to vote. And we're going to talk about that in detail. But today we're, we're talking about Jim Crow. OK, so these amendments were specifically intended to protect the recently freed slaves from overreach by resentful, bitter southern state governments. They hated, they hated, they they despise the fact that there's a bunch of black folks walking around that used to be enslaved. They couldn't stand it. Come listen, all you gals and boys. I'm just from Tuckahoe. I'm going to sing a little song. My name's Jim Crow. Wheel about and turn about and do just so. Every time I wheel about, I jump Jim Crow. Come listen, all you gals and boys. I'm going to sing a little song. My name is Jim Crow. Wheel about and turn about and do just so. Everybody, every time I wheel about, I jump Jim Crow. This song that we just played was performed by a minstrel singer. This is based on the original song entitled Jim Crow, the original sheet, sheet music that was written by Thomas Dartmouth Daddy Rice. Rice, he was a struggling actor at the Park Theater in New York City. So what he used to do is Rice used to do these little one-man skits, these crappy little like comedy routines in between shows that no one cared about, no one watched. He used to do this, and he was struggling, and he really wasn't going anywhere in life. So what did he do? He stole something. Legend has it that he stumbled upon a black person who was singing this very song. Some say that the person was an elderly gentleman, an elderly slave who could barely walk. Just imagine an old, an old elderly African-American gentleman bent over just singing this song to himself as he's struggling along the road, right? A slave. They say he was a slave. Other people say that he took it from a poor little stable boy who was singing joyfully while he was, he was taking care of a bunch of livestock and a bunch of horses. No one really knows where Rice got the song from, but everyone knows he stole it. <laughs> But this is what we do know. We know that in 1828, Rice appeared for the first time 
on stage as Jim Crow, an exaggerated, stereotypical black character. And it was based on a popularized racist image of the black slave. He was one of the first white men to wear blackface. One of the first white men to wear blackface makeup. His skin was darkened with burnt cork and coal. So it was a combination of cork and coal and they rubbed it on their skin to make their skin look darker and they're resembling, quote, the black slave. The Jim Crow Act was a huge success. It was super popular. And what it did was it launched him into stardom. It got him on tours all across the United States, right? He went to all the major cities, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia. He went to the South. He went everywhere. He even performed to great acclaim in London, England, and in Dublin, Ireland. So the racism extended across the Atlantic into Europe also. Man, that's that crazy. By 1838, the term Jim Crow was being used as a racial insult for blacks. It wasn't as offensive as the N-word, but it was very similar to coon or darky. So you would say, hey, Jim Crow. Hey, boy. Hey, Jim Crow. That's an insulting racial slur similar to coon. So it was, it was a terrible term to call someone. However, right... It didn't remain a racial slur forever, right? By the end of the 19th century, the word Jim Crow was being used more so to describe a set of laws and customs which oppressed blacks and they made them into second-class citizens. That's, that was the goal of the Jim Crow laws. Thomas Rice had many, many imitators, a ton of them. In 1845, the Christie Minstrels, they organized many features of the modern minstrel show, including the seating of the blackface performers in a semicircle on stage with the tambourine player, which was named Mr. Tambo, on one end, and the bones player, Mr. Bones, at the other end. Okay, so just imagine you're in New York City, you're sitting in your seat in the theater, you're looking up at the stage, you see a performer, right, in white, and I'm about to play another song for you guys. And behind them, there's a chorus of blackface actors and musicians. And they all have different instruments and different crazy, bright-colored, ridiculous-looking costumes. Just imagine that for a second. I'm about to play a quick clip from one of their performances. So right now what we're looking at is a stage and there's a chorus and a bunch of dancers and they have black face with really big red lips and they have top hats and really long orange coats and there's one man who's walking up to the center of the stage in an all-white tuxedo looking thing with a big bow tie. There is literally a group of blackface entertainers playing banjos on one name. 
So this is the type of performance that you would see typically in the mid 1800s, okay? And it's not just in the South. <laughs> no. Oh, no, 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 no. These shows were very, very popular. It actually, they actually started in New York City. So you would think that, you know, the South with their history of slavery and vicious racism and lynch mobs, that they would be the ones who did these shows. No, it was the Yankees. It was the Northerners who started these minstrel shows. And they're the ones who kind of uh, spread it internationally. The singing of songs with these melodies and these blending of musical instruments, it was called Ethiopian melodies. These performances were also called coon shows. Thomas Rice and his peers, they what they did was they helped to popularize the belief that blacks were lazy, stupid, less human, and unworthy to live among white society. They were alien. They were foreign. They were they were clowns, jesters. Don't let them near us, right? They can entertain us. We can laugh at them. But there's no way that we're going to allow them to even think that they could be equal to white folks. And these shows, they really, really help nail that into the subconscious, not even the subconscious, the conscious thought of America at the time. Not only were black folks at the time being victimized by vicious, murderous lynch mobs. That's a lie. The Civil War was not fought to end slavery. The Civil War was fought to stop the expansion of slavery into the free territories, into the Western territories. Because if you guys want to check out and learn more about this, about the territories, about westward expansion, please, please tune in to my episodes about the Great Plains and the Comanche and the Native Americans. All right, because that's a really, really great podcast as well. It talks about how white settlers were pressing westward and displacing Native American groups. But what they were doing was they're not only were they starting a new life, not only were they moving their family and their friends into these new territories that were previously occupied, hunted by, you know, grazed by and hunted on by the Native Americans, they also brought their slaves with them, right? In the Union, the Northern states were not going to allow Southern power to spread into the Western territories. So remember, when every time someone says, yeah, but the Civil War was fought to, to free the slaves, free black people, and they should get over it now. No, no one wanted the slaves free. Abraham Lincoln didn't want slaves free. He just... He knew that he knew that in order to stop the expansion of Southern power, he had to do something. He didn't think black folks were equal either, but that's I'm going on a rant. That's a different whole that's a whole different topic. That's a whole different can of worms to open up right there. All right, so with this podcast, I really wanted to explore what Jim Crow was because I think people forget. Oh, by the way, have you guys seen, and you know, I'm off script now, guys, so my actual, <laughs> my actual outline's over, so now I'm just kind of talking, I'm just having a conversation with you guys back and forth, so have you guys ever seen those Disney cartoons, those old, really old Disney tunes, those Looney Tunes shows, have you ever noticed some of the black characters, or character, characters in those shows? Go back and look at some of the old ones from the 40s, you know, in the 50s. You'll see these characters with black face and the big old red lips, right? That's what I'm talking about. When 
when TV and film came, when TV and radio was invented, especially TV and radio, the minstrel shows, the popularity kind of fell off, right? So what happened was Thomas Rice, he was thrown into high acclaim, into you know wealth and stardom, but he lived in an, he lived an extravagant, over-the-top lifestyle, and the money dried up, and he died in abject poverty by himself, alone in a gutter, like he deserved in 1860, all right? Because what had happened was TV and radio took over. So now the minstrel shows were dead, but now these images, they transferred from the stage onto the TV and into the radio, <laughs> into your ears. From the stage to the TV. So now everyone can see. Before, you had to get a ticket. You had to be available to see the show. Now all you had to do was turn on your radio or turn on your TV and minstrel shows were all over the screen. All right? So tomorrow, MLK Day, we have a special podcast. We have a three-part series. We're talking about the legacy of MLK, but also we're talking about what MLK fought against. Okay? So today... We talked about Jim Crow. We wanted to just, as a beginning episode, as an introductory episode, we really wanted to break down who Jim Crow was and what it meant. So Jim Crow, remember guys, he was a character. He was supposed to be a racist, stereotypical black slave, right? The racist image of a black slave, right? The buffoonish minstrel who would sing and dance and stumble around and do dumb stuff and just be around for the entertainment of white folks. That's Jim Crow. And slowly, Jim Crow started as a minstrel show. It became an insult to black folks. And then all of a sudden, it started representing oppression in a series of codified laws that uh, really started to regulate life in the South and in the North as well. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope you learned something. I apologize for a little stumbling and bumbling. I get so passionate and so uh, full of energy about these topics. I can't wait. I cannot wait until the second podcast tomorrow. We're talking about the black codes. We're talking about reconstruction. We're talking about life in the South for a black person. It was a dangerous, violent, terrifying time to be black in America in the South during reconstruction. God bless you all. Stay safe. I'm going to leave you with more of this minstrel music. I'm not trying to promote it. I'm trying to make you guys understand and explain and demonstrate how deep this goes. This was popular entertainment. Kids, families, grandmas, grandpas sat down together and watched this stuff. So when people say there's no type, there's no such thing as systematic racism, they're lying. God bless you. Stay safe. Ape out. I forgot to mention, they also have skits within the shows. So they do little jokes and little skits. Notice the accents. And that's Mr. Tambo, the guy with the tambourine. 
These good people didn't pay to hear a performance of puny, puerile, pusillanimous persiflage. They came to hear me sing. Ladies and gentlemen, a brand new song written especially for me. With the able assistance of my congregation... I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast today. Stay safe, stay positive, put your family and God first. Don't let anyone tell you you can't do something. Be ready for the next podcast tomorrow on the Black Codes and Reconstruction. Stephen Foster's Old Folks at Home. May I have a keynote, please?